The cube has evolved. In Cube 2, a new batch of characters try to survive the seemingly never-ending prison of plain white rooms. But this time, reality itself is breaking down. Following up a cult hit film is always going to be challenging. So let's see how Hypercube fares. Wait a minute. Where am I? How did I get here? Who are you? <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know, but I'm surrounded by four walls. <laughs> uh, well, okay. I was going to correct you to say technically six, but I suppose... There's still a floor and a ceiling. Yeah. But I think when you're actually in a cube, though it's actually a, a straight cube, then I think you could argue that walls, ceiling, and floor almost don't apl apply, because, you know. Okay. Let's just start off right away with Terra's wrong. No, I'm not starting <laughs> off with Terra's wrong. I'm, in the context of this movie, though, you're in one of these cubes. Would you say it's got six walls? No. I would say it has four walls, <laughs> a floor, and a ceiling. <laughs> but even when gravity starts to play then up... one of the walls becomes a floor. <laughs> oh, okay. Another one becomes okay. a ceiling. Okay, 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 okay. All right. I take your point. All right, welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. Uh, it's a science fiction movie podcast, and we're here, as it might be clear from what we just said, uh, to talk about Cube 2 Hypercube. This is part of our number two season. Uh, we're doing a bunch of number twos <laughs> that we've already done the originals of. Go on, make your poop joke. Yeah, I know you want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they're just stinkers <laughs> for the month. <laughs> well, they may be stinkers. I mean, we'll get into it. We'll find out. Uh, we did Tron Legacy, so that's one stinker. <laughs> what? <laughs> hard disagree. <laughs> that was a hard. That was a. It was a hard number two, or, or is it worse if it's a soft number two? <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> Sound out in the comments section. <laughs> Which one's worse? <laughs> okay, enough with the poop jokes. We're here to talk about Cube 2 Hypercube. We did the, the original film last year. Uh, I had a great time revisiting it. Tara was a bit more critical, but <laughs> I love the I loved the original Cube. Um, so obviously it made sense that we'd eventually come back and do 2 and Cube 0 eventually. And then apparently there's a fourth one now because Japan decided to remake the first one. So there's actually going to be a fourth Cube film at the end of this uh, run when we eventually get back to them. But... Um, a bit bloodier. It may be. I could see it being bloodier. Uh, but, yeah, we'll start spoiler-free as we always do. We'll give you a warning before we get into the spoilers, and we'll get into it. Uh, Cube 2 uh, has got a bit of a bigger budget, as you'd expect, because the first one had almost no budget. Uh, oh, it's still, don't get me wrong, it's still a low-budget movie, but this is like a Lionsgate movie. This is one that, you know, has some money behind it. Um, it changes... I just get the logo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it does change up the concept of the film a little bit. They're still waking up in a cube room that's connected to other cube rooms. Uh, but interestingly, there's no traps this time, and that's something we'll we'll talk about. Uh, but it does play with some more science fiction-y concepts. And yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll leave it there. I don't think there's much more to say. But obviously, we've got a different group of characters, and we'll talk about them probably more in spoilers than we will in spoiler-free. But uh, yeah, we've got a different set of characters, and... Uh, that's pretty much it. That's your your premise. Uh, was, was this one a like a straight to DVD movie? 
It does look like it, doesn't it? I, I, I don't actually know if we got a theatrical release. I'd have to double check. Without further ado, Tara, what did you think of Cube 2 Hypercube? And this was your first time viewing, if I, I'm right in saying that. Correct. Yeah. I liked it. Um, I probably liked it about as much as the first one. Maybe, like, slightly less, but, like, it's it's a fine movie. I, I thought it was going a bit too magic-y for a little bit, but there is science, you know, science magic stuff happening that I was like, okay, you get a pass. Um, I think the... It was familiar, but new enough that it kept me interested because I didn't know all the rules this time, like I thought I would. Um, some of it, though, was pretty predictable, which is disappointing. And overall, like, it is just kind of okay. Yeah, I'm surprised to hear you say you like this almost as much as the first one, because I think there's a definite step down to me. They're, they're like... A... I didn't love the first one. I, I know you didn't, but I still expected there to be a big step down. <laughs> like, I don't hate this. Like, I think there's some nice elements to it and there's some nice ideas but I, I would agree with that it's just kind of okay overall i think there's just some baffling decisions to me i think not having traps uh is a really weird choice um making mm -hmm. every room identically just bright white i think is also visually just a really weird choice um yeah i, I think the characters themselves because they have the one up like the discussions and like the knowledge about what's going on from the first one i think the characters feel a bit more forced um i think it shares kind of a similar thing where some of the acting's not that great um from some of them uh which yep. we'll definitely get into as well as we're talking about more specifics but yeah i, I think ultimately I, I i mean i have no problem with like some of the things that come in into this are kind of theoretical physics right and I actually don't necessarily mind the idea of we're going to swap out the traps with all physics-based traps, right? But mm -hmm. the problem, I think, is, is that everything in this movie feels relatively random, where it just kind of, things just happen when the movie wants them to. It's not about them trying to, like, for, like, it never feels like the characters in this movie have any sort of chance to even form a plan or try and solve something, because everything's just so above them in the audience. There's no way to figure anything out, because it's it's not solvable whereas in the first movie i feel like the clues that were being given and the, the logic the characters were using made sense and it made sense to us and you know ultimately without getting to just in case you've not watched the first one and you're watching this review for some reason um the ending sort of proves that it was solvable right you know regardless of where things ended up the ending proved that no no no, there was ultimately a solution to this and they kind of you know we got to yeah. that point in the story whereas here it just kind of feels like, I don't know, writers... It feels like Saw, like Saw 4 or something. Yeah, the writers are just kind of like, you know, they just sort of put in things where they want, and then at the end it's like, ah, and just because we decide this now, this is how it works. I definitely felt that while watching it, where it's like, okay, things are definitely different here, so I don't know the rules yet, but the rules weren't like really being all that... They weren't being discovered like the first one where it's like, okay, here's another rule that we figured out. There's numbers on the side of the thing. What does that mean? Um, instead, everything felt like it was just a more random, like you said, um, and not um, not as high tension. And it was a little bit like, well, yeah, that first one like seems to be that the characters are 
trapped in this thing, but because there are there are clues given to how they could escape if they're able to figure it out, use, you know, working together, then, okay, then there's a goal to achieve. But even in this movie, they kind of establish, like, so, like, how do we get, like, what happens when we get out? Or what's the point of this if this is all a game? Then they're like, I guess it's just to escape. But there's no, like, there's nothing there to, to lead them as to how to escape. It's just, oh, so there's a threat coming, so run away to the next one. There's another threat coming. Wait until the threat comes and then run away. Yeah, there's no... You know, every, everything kind of feels like accidentally yeah, come across instead of like purposefully, you know, we have to go this direction now because yeah, there's, this there's is no the clues are. active through line that the characters are being proactive in doing. That They're not deciding really to do anything. Everything's just reactionary. And it just kind of feels like... To the point where you keep talking about the rules and you don't understand the rules in this one because I would argue that the first one had rules. I think this one doesn't really have rules. It kind of pretends that it does, but it's kind of just make up whenever you want, basically. It's like, the, you know... Yeah. There's no way... I also don't really understand the point of this cube. Like, the actual... Why would they build this? It, well, yeah. I mean, to be fair, we never really knew what the point of the first cube was either. That was still open for, for theorizing. And I feel like they try to add in some, like mysterious things to sort of provoke your imagination in this but all it does is really just kind of feel like oh you don't have an answer you're just trying to like act mysterious so that it feels more mysterious not because you actually have an answer to this as a creator of the movie whether you're the writer director whatever um uh, you know the, honestly one of my least favorite things about this whole movie is the the ending like in the last like three minutes or whatever it is is just like you didn't know how to end this. This is how you're doing it. And it, this does not make me like the rest of the movie more. It just kind of makes me go, uh-huh. That's what this all was. Yeah. Um, I kind of like, I don't want to say I saw it coming, but it was one of those like, okay, we're doing this. So this is probably going to happen. Mm. And it wasn't satisfying because even though I, I sort of thought, well, you know, if this is the case, then this has to happen. Then, but I don't have any satisfying answers as to well, what what did this all mean? What was it for? It's just sort of like, here's a thing. Maybe maybe cube, cubed will tell us. <laughs> will give us an answer. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I've got more thoughts to add on to that, but I can't really say them until spoilers, so we'll leave that there for now. But uh, I, I do find the ending pretty unsatisfying, and I think part of the reason for it is not just because it's not got like that much to say or answer, but it's also because the plot line that it decides that it wants to pay off is the what the real plot line was was always kind of goofy, and I never really bought into it anyway. As soon as the characters started talking about it, um, I've got some jokes to make about it that I want to make, but that that's about it. Like I, you know, I, I was never actually buying into it as a story in the movie. So, oh yeah, there's a re reveal that happens that I was like, called it, because <laughs> it, it's a little like, um, you know, the 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 clues that we get as to like who people are, like what's happening outside, and how people are connected. I'm like, okay, so like, this is obviously gonna be somebody, <laughs> and like it just feels like there's a, uh, like let's 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 do a reveal where like it's the most unlikely thing that the audience could predict and they're like no that's the most predictable thing you can do yeah but not for the right reasons though it's, it's only predictable because it's like of course you're going to do this you're going to do the most like obvious writing thing not because it, yeah it's not because they've set up the 
the clues and the, the little seeds that are tantalizing and you're like oh i've figured this thing out because it's all going to come together and be satisfying no because it's dumb yeah like that would be the dumb thing to do like this is like i don't know baby's first script <laughs> twist and honestly a lot of the science fiction elements that it introduces i don't think it does enough with i think it just kind of plays it and even there's a good example early on where a character starts explaining a lot of the theory of what the place could be and how the physics might work and then you see like some examples of that play out later and all i could think was and i'll be more specific in spoilers but all i could think was is when it first starts to play out later i'm like why didn't we get some of this playing out before we got the explanation so we could be like, ooh and ah, and what's going on? Instead, it starts happening. You're like, oh, this is just what the guy said. So we're just we're just going through the motions of what was already explained. And it just wasn't exciting. Like This was a simple just move these two scenes around in the script and it would make one of them way more effective. And so, you know, just, just simple things like that where, yeah, I, I do agree. I think the script is... I mean, Baby's first script sounds very uh, harsh, but maybe it isn't far I would say off more baby's first twist <laughs> baby's first twist and i don't th- i don't think we can talk about the characters until we get spoilers because every single one of them are presented and then very quickly it's obvious there's more to most of them than what they said and then the movie kind of reveals things at different times about some of them whereas the first movie kind of felt like no pretty much what they all were at the start was all accurate it's just that as the movie went on they changed and they became you know their true selves started to come out and that's part, part of why i like the first one so much is because it seeds kind of things and it's sort of this exploration of like this microcon like one of the things i love so much about the first cube like like i do with a lot of bottle stories is that it's all set in one space and it's a microcosm of how societies like how problems come about and you know like one guy wants power so he gets angry and he gets more violent as things start to escalate and he wants to try mm-hmm. and seize that power um here i wouldn't say this is a microcosm of anything everything just feels too slapdash together there's things just kind of happening to them too frequently there's never well, they also don't have to like figure things out so we no. don't get a lot of their personalities as much there's not a lot of like hierarchy that's formed or anything like that they're just kind of they, they, they all feel they're presented here to try and like add to the mystery as opposed to being characters who are trapped in the mystery if that makes sense mm-hmm. uh which it can work i'm not saying it's impossible to work but i i don't think it does in this case i think uh i think the the script is overreaching at certain points and it almost feels a bit a lot more hokey than the first one to me because it tries to it tries to add these extra things on to the mystery of the cube which i just think kind of fall flat for me and make it less interesting yeah this version of the cube that we get operates on a completely different um scale than the other than the last one and i think because of that i mean there is an explanation for it but it's it's a little bit more i don't want to say magic but like uh, i don't know like the the mystery isn't as exciting like nobody um it doesn't seem to be as much as as risky and it kind of reminds me of like um like i brought up saw four I don't remember which saw it was, but I, I remember watching one of them where like somebody's got is is connect like the rib cage is connected to a device. It's like you got to solve the puzzle to escape, and they solve the puzzle, but then their rib cage gets pulled out anyway. So and it's like, well, that's 
that's unsatisfying because now you're just setting up that I'm going to watch people get tortured and without yeah. any chance for them to escape. And I don't like that. Now it's not quite the same here, but like, it's uh, like, I'm not saying that there is no escape, but because there's no clues or anything that you're trying to get through, it kind of feels that way. Yeah. It feels like, okay, so they're just, it, it feels hopeless except for some yeah. magical explanation. It feels hopeless most of the time and not in a way that makes it entertaining. It never feels like they have a fighting chance really and did you just turn into an angel very funny yes the, look the sunlight is varying up and down okay <laughs> like i guarantee you by the end of the review it'll have went down again because it's still start getting dark by the time we're done but um right now yes i'm getting the beam of light uh if anything it's like i'm in the cube because there are these white cubes that yeah. are all just bright white light you know hitting them at all times and they've even got the main uh, lady like in a white shirt and I'm like, really? You could give her like another color to stack it, stick out against the background, though. No? She's the plainest one. She's, no, she's got blonde hair, a white shirt, and like you're, just, you're almost blending into the white background there. Like, can we, can we just give her like a, a blue top or something, just to yeah, separate things a touch. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that is the one of the big problems with the movie. I, you know, I. I don't think there's much more that I want to say in spoiler free because so much of the movie is about revealing things and and you know unraveling potential mysteries and setting up things and all the different various anomalies and weird kind of I guess the what's here instead of traps the things they encounter like those will be the things we talk about one by one in spoilers but as for overall feelings I I think it's very much a, a middling some okay ideas but I, I do think it's lost all of its uh i think it's lost most of its charm from the first movie and i certainly think it's lost a lot of its uh uniqueness and probably as well like i said the like the actual the the, the better writing and it, it, it well i'm not saying the writing in the first movie was always ironclad when it came to dialogue per se there was definitely some cheesy moments of like you know things that characters said Overall, what it was doing with the characters and examining, you know, like I say, the microcosm of the society, um, I think that stuff worked really well in the first one, whereas here I think it's just kind of missing, uh, which is a shame. Which wouldn't be yeah. the end of the world if it was, like, thrilling, but I, I don't necessarily think it is either, and just, like, a sort of fun, adventure kind of survival way. So. Yeah. It's a shame. Uh, but we'll give the spoiler warning. We'll, just, we'll, we'll jump into things so we can talk about it more freely. Uh, and we can talk about the characters maybe first and then dive into everything else. I think trying to go through this movie in order would be a nightmare because it's really hard to remember the sequence of events for a lot of it because it, it all looks the same, you know? Like, there's maybe some stuff that's obviously near the start or some stuff that's obviously near the end, but a lot of it is going to blur together. So I think talking about the characters... Yeah, like introduce the characters as they appear. I mean... Yeah, well, there's a couple of... Part. Yeah, there's a couple of teases at the start. They do... Because you know the first movie opened with, okay, a guy wakes up and he, he goes into a room and he gets sliced and diced, right? He dies. And it's like you're, you're cold open to say, hey, this is what this place is. Um, they kind of try to do that with this, but because there's no traps, it's just this woman wakes up. And it's not the main woman. It's some woman that we don't see until much, much later in the movie. But she like is like, where, you know, where am I? In fact, she has, she's actually, she's not got a lot of dialogue, but there's one line in this opening scene that's really badly like given. Like, this woman's woken up in a strange place. She's been drugged and, and she's woken up in this weird science fiction looking place. And the way she says, is anyone there? Like, just really made me laugh. It, it was... It was a little bit like setting up, okay, this is the quality 
that yeah. we're going to be getting into here. Because, like, um, I I agree, like, people... Uh, this is kind of, like, across the whole board, honestly. When mm-hmm. people realize that they're not where they used to be, there's not very much panic. No. And I think, to, to be fair to the first movie, I think the first movie had... Like, I remember some of them being quite scared. You know, the teen girl in the last one was, like, you know looked distraught and was panicking about where she was like here mm-hmm. I, I think there's a problem especially with the main because i'll let me get the names here because there's so many of them so the main blonde woman's named kate um and i feel like throughout the movie she has a lot of times where she just doesn't sound like she's like it feels like she's like she's just talking calmly to people and she's taking everything very lightly in a really unnatural way sometimes where it's like everything's be okay oh that's a pretty name and i'm like why aren't you freaking out? And I guess yeah. there's, there's kind of an answer, I suppose, by the end. But it still, it, it really stuck out to me. I don't know if you me. ever do this, but the, sometimes if I think something might be bad, I'll like, I'll try to visualize how like maybe Jennifer Lawrence would do it in this role. Like if she was in this movie and it was her first film and she's like, she's suddenly waking up and realizing she's not where she was. Like she would do like a, she would probably flip out. And, like, I could see her performance. I don't know. I'm a very visual person. Mm-hmm. So I, I can, like, see somebody else with this role and, and do it right. And maybe that would be enough to make it better, you know, like, to make it a good movie if the acting was good. But, like, right away, you're right. She, is anyone there? Like, <laughs> he'd probably be a, a lot more. You'd probably be freaking out. You'd probably scream that. Is anyone more. there? Like you'd probably be, yeah. you know, really, really panicking. I would. You be. You're in a. You're in a room. Like you. You at least go through. Like, what was your last thought? Like, where was I? Like, is something? You know. Honestly, you'd be a lot more shaken. I think there's two ways to do it. You either scream that line, or you're just quiet the entire time because you're worried that if you make a noise and someone you don't want to hear you will hear you. So you're maybe just quietly yeah. trying to sneak around and see where you are like one of those two yeah. options that makes that, sense there'd be a way more desperation yeah there'd be a lot more shaken yeah. in the voice and in the movements like panic but not the, able to like touch things this opening scene ends though when she opens the door uh and she just gets yanked through and that's when it cuts to the opening title sequence right so there's no like big like oh a guy got chopped into you know all these little pieces it's just oh she get yanked out of frame it's like Okay, that is significantly weak as a cold open, especially compared to the first one. Because the first one, it, you know, it was that trap with the grid, and it, it you know it cut them up into all the cube-like pieces, and it was like a really big moment, and especially for a movie of its budget, where I'm like, you know what, that was a pretty okay visual effect for what it was. Yeah, it was, and it, it sets up like, okay, well, obviously that person's gone. So like the people we meet there for afterwards are in a lot of danger. So when they feel like they're not in danger, it's like, well, we as the audience know that if you enter that room, you can get sliced and diced. Yeah. It, it, like you say, it establishes a baseline in that case because it establishes the baseline of danger. And it's also establishes the mood of the movie. Whereas here, mm-hmm. Um, like we just joked, it establishes the baseline for the bad acting <laughs> that's in the movie. It sets our expectations on that. And that the cube is white. And, white, white, white. And that's the other <laughs> problem is with the, the bright cubes, the, all these bright white cube rooms, is that fundamentally there's a reason why it feels moodier in the first one when they're in like a green or a blue room and it's all kind of somber. You know, there's different moods. Red feels like an angry room. 
but all these bright white rooms i get that it's meant to be the stark clinical like but it just inherently everything feels like you're on like a, a tv set because that, that's how tv sets are lit they're lit super you know if you're doing like a chat show everything's just bright white light because everything's meant to be super easy to see it's meant to be pleasant it's meant to be easy uh and mm-hmm. that's kind of this it has the 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 mood almost of like a of a sitcom but it doesn't really because right? what's happening doesn't obviously correlate to that but the lighting mm-hmm. almost feels of that nature to me uh based on this um so yeah so i love that we started with well, her. i feel very <laughs> calm talking to you right now since uh-huh. you're surrounded in white yes yes of <laughs> course i have that effect on people it's nothing to do with the light uh <laughs> and then we get a st- we have enough we have enough episodes to just prove that <laughs> you're talking about i am a welcoming comforting presence you shut your mouth right now see you're clearly approving yourself to be the opposite with statements like that (laughs) my room is not light (laughs) oh yeah cream is a very threatening color (laughs) anywho anywho uh, so our next character, again, who's kind of like a, just a quick tease character after the opening credits, is a guy with a briefcase, and he's got like handcuffs on him as well, and he's panicking. And this is the really the only thing that connects it to the first movie, because you you could totally just say that these movies are different like things, like they're just different universes, or different takes on the same concept. But this guy does like look for numbers around the door, and he's like, "Where's the numbers? I don't have a chance without my numbers." Um, and it, it does it does clearly establish that this is the same universe and this is a different type of cube from the one that was there before. So this guy yeah. clearly knows about the previous cube, understands it, maybe had a hand in building it or something, and you know he and he's so scared of this place that, that when we meet him later on, he's trying to commit suicide, uh, and more or less succeeds uh, in a manner of speaking. So yeah. But which, which is fine. Like you know, this idea that someone who knows about this place is like, like this is hopeless. I'm just going to kill myself. It, it is you know, as as a, a decent attempt at trying to build tension. Yeah, it was a much better setup than the first one, at least because well, he's a better actor, but also like, oh, you've watched the first Cube, so now here's here's the real setting is that it's not this is not the same Cube, and that uh sure it already looks different well, but like there aren't going to be any numbers this time so you have a, a new riddle to figure out but the riddle part is kind of when, when you said the first one you meant the first character right not the first movie correct yeah yeah just, just to clarify that because i i agree i think this guy this character especially if you've seen the first movie the fact that this character seemingly knows about that first movie almost like we do means that he's mm-hmm. more of a good gateway for returning audience members because he's like, okay, this is someone who has some of the same knowledge we do as the audience and he's freaking out because this isn't the same type of cube. That kind of tells us, okay, we're raising the stakes, this is a different place, the same rules don't apply. The problem that after that, that I don't feel like there is that really rules that apply at all is, is the problem, but that's not a problem with this scene. That's just a problem with the movie as a whole. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah. it's setting up that this is not the same cube that there are not the same rules here and that this guy knows something about that cube and therefore he feels like it's hopeless. So it's a way better opening than like the first person who barely didn't even really need to be in the movie. No, no. It's, it's basically just so they could pay it off later that she's the missing girl that the other guy was looking for. But 
I cared so little about that. Yeah, <laughs> and, agreed. Which is a sh- which is a shame actually, because you because if you told me that on paper, oh, one of the characters in the cube is a private investigator who was hired by some girl's parents to track her down, and that led him to the cube because that's where she was put. Right. So the idea of a, a PI coming, but it would probably be more interesting though if it was one of the characters from the first film. Like let's say he was hired to find the teenage girl from the last movie. And he mm-hmm. and he got so close to finding out the answers that whoever's in charge of the cube were like, "Oh, put him in!" Like he's getting too close. He's you know, get rid of him. Like that 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 could have been interesting as a concept. Sure. Um, but it's such a small detail here that I, I I don't know. It just doesn't really feel like it's ever that important. No, I agree. Yeah. Um. Although his character certainly goes places, in its own right. <laughs> yeah, it does. Um. It's like, it's almost like they're trying to do the thing with uh, the main guy in the last one, right? So this guy's Simon, right? Is the guy in the leather, black leather jacket. He is aggressive, basically, from the get-go. He, t- he kind of acts friendly enough, but the fir- his first instinct when he meets Kate at the start, because she's like the main character who wakes up after this and we follow her through a room or two. Um, <laughs> she runs into to this guy, Simon, and Simon's instinct is to threaten her with the knife that he's got on him which they've let him keep whoever put them in there let him keep his knife so that's interesting maybe that's part of the social experiment or whatever but he when he hears other noises and it seems like he stopped trying to attack her his instinct when like someone else keeps opening the doors he he, he grabs her and he's like hey, don't worry this is just for sure i'm not actually going to hurt you and then he yells come in here right away or she dies and i'm like what why do you think this stranger who doesn't know her is going to feel more compelled to do what you say <laughs> i don't mm-hmm. i don't know it was it was a weird logic to me i mean maybe he'll be like a good samaritan and like want to like not let this woman die but like i think part of you is also like i'm not getting involved <laughs> i won't yeah come- exactly <laughs> plus he's also stuck in this cube and he doesn't know anything that's happening yeah. so whoever like well it ends up being a, a younger guy yeah like who sees them it, it he's just like i I don't know where I am. I, I don't know this woman. I don't know you. Like, just close the door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he's Max, the young guy who turns out to be from Silicon Valley. He designs video games. Uh, that's his character. We meet quite quickly a character named Jerry, who's this really friendly middle-aged guy who, it turns out, designed the doors in here. Although he didn't know he was designing them for this place. He just thought he was designing a fancy touch door because they just touched the middle of it in it it opens mm-hmm. um he, he's very upbeat again it's that thing where he feels like just too casually friendly and upbeat to, to, like yeah i get that he would maybe try to be this way even when he's under more stress but i i still felt it was like just too i don't know he's, he's too like just kind of like geeking out about the physics of this place and i'm like that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me but you know uh, I mean, it's good to have different types of personalities in there. Yeah, um, yeah. But like, and having just like this everyman family guy, like there to, um, he was one of the better characters, I thought, because um, he felt more realistic, even though he is very calm and upbeat throughout the, most of this, where he should be freaking out. <laughs> I mean, that's the big thing, is that most of these characters are not reacting appropriately to the fact that they've been kidnapped and woke up in some strange place they can't get out of. Yes. Which I think is something the first movie did a better job with. <laughs> yes. Oh, what's interesting, uh, also, in when we meet the young man, the Silicon Valley guy, 
um he like immediately when closes the door and opens up another one and it shows up like in another part of the cube that there our main characters are in so it it is also establishing that these rules are different and that you're not you may be entering another cube but the doors every time they close it's it's like instantly gone whatever one you were at yeah will be the same when it opens up again there's moments where someone goes through a door it closes then they open it again and the person's gone and in fact when jerry first shows up he makes it clear that he's been traveling for quite a while but he's only made it through the same three rooms over and over again it just keeps kind of looping him because he, he it's, marked, it's almost he's like, like a pin on him yeah so the, the, the doors are almost like teleporters as well where they're just taking you through sometimes to the same rooms again um and that yeah like when max first shows up if you imagine you're standing in the middle of this cube he pops up at the top the door shuts and then the, the left door opens and he pops out of that and then that shuts and then he pops out of the right it's almost like like whack-a-mole where he's just kind of appearing yeah. on every side and, and it happens instantly yeah. so like you know it's way too quickly for something to be moving yeah unlike the first film you never see it from his perspective but you get the impression that he's literally just at the same door and letting it close over and over mm-hmm. again and that's all that's just what keeps happening uh and jerry of course the the middle-aged guy he's the one that gives us a lot of our like science theorizing of what this place is and it, indeed the hypercube and and what that means in the context of this movie uh, although part of that also comes from kind of the equivalent to the the guy from the first movie who was disabled uh we've got like an old woman who's kind of went you know senile or, or whatever and she can't remember things and she's very confused usually she has dementia yeah uh mrs paley and but she clearly like knows things from her past like before she, like whatever her condition is like before she got sick she clearly worked for some company that may be involved in the building of this place and she's she she, she recognizes this symbol that's in all the, the things it's, it's a tesseract and then jerry explains that that's also called the hypercube and then apparently he's a nerd for all this because he starts just theorizing we'll get into he's an engineer right yeah, we'll get into all that in a second. Just to finish off the characters here, uh, we have the lady in the red dress, uh, Julia, I think, just based on the name here in IMDb. Yeah. Uh, but we went out to party. We went into her a little before. bit later. She's asleep in a room. Yeah. And, uh, like, Max can't believe his luck. There's a hot babe. He's all excited about it. Um, <laughs> and, yeah. That <laughs> that's that. Uh, it turns out she's a lawyer though, and she represents this company named Zion or was that was that what it was called? Izon? I think it was Izon or Izon, something like that. Um but everything seems to like sort of track back to them. They're a weapons manufacturer. Um the, the video game designer guy Max, it turns out he developed some ideas for things in a video game and he realized at a certain point that a lot of the things are running into were the same concepts that he was developing in his game so uh, which I, I guess is the thing here is in the first movie it felt like all the characters were picked because they're different types of people and it's like okay we've got someone who is a policeman someone who's a medical professional someone who is a genius with math someone who they had one person who was connected to the building of something in the structure itself but everyone had a different set of skills. With this one, it kind of felt like everyone, in some way, had some small connection to what this place to was. The company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, no one like the first film. No one really knew where they were, what this thing was. Like, there's just, um, maybe the old lady would know, but she had 
you know, she's already lost her mind. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, so it, I, I guess, you know, to get into all this, the stuff that they encounter, obviously we talked about the, the teleporting doors where you basically they just like pop out or whatever. But then eventually the idea of like, well, there's the straight up parallel universes in here because at one point you think you're seeing the future because you see Simon's head get decapitated by this, like, it almost looks like a sort of crystal that's coming out the wall. Uh, yeah, it's the stuff in Superman's Yeah, cave. yeah. <laughs> it kind of looks like that. With uh, It's kind of dodgy CG, but in a weird way, the dodgy CG of these things that happen in this hypercube kind of work in the context of it's all meant to be this like weird sci-fi physics stuff so it's like it's okay that it looks kind of like fake <laughs> yeah there's one that i didn't really like very much although i, I like the idea of it but then it becomes like kind of self-aware and I, I i didn't like that one very much i know what you're talking about yeah yeah uh i didn't like that part of it <laughs> yeah so the other thing that happens with uh that oh, moment, we're though. missing the character also. Wait, are we? Oh, the blind girl. Yeah, the yeah, blind girl. Yeah. Quite right, quite right. They, they encounter a blind girl after a little bit named Sasha, who, well, she's blind. Uh, but it sounds she's like she's blind, and her other senses are heightened. Yeah, she can hear. She can hear something moving around the cube that no one else can. Uh, yeah. So they did a bit of a daredevil thing with her. Um, mm -hmm. So we've got our characters in that moment that I was talking about, where he gets decapitated and they see it through the door. He also stabs the old lady, like the, 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 other, the other version of him, uh, stabs the old lady and says, don't trust the old woman. I cleaned it up language-wise, but that's what he said, basically. <laughs> and then his head gets cut off and they start freaking out. They finally start freaking out, which, you know, admittedly, they should freak out about this. <laughs> this is this is a weird thing to see. Um, but then it's established that, okay, maybe it's not the future, but it's just a possible future. You know, there's, maybe there's a different version of us running around in here. And by the end of the movie, we see multiple examples of this where we, see, like, at one point, which by, I have to bring this up, at one point, Kate goes into a room with skeletons of every, like, main character, and the <laughs> skeletons are some of the cheapest-looking props I, I have ever seen. It's, like... It looks a little Halloween store. It really does. It, it It's really quite bad. And I... And I just, I felt bad. It would have been greater if it was all bones, just bones and clothes. Yeah, just dust, just just like clothes with some dust in it. They've been here so long. <laughs> because time works differently in different rooms, so that makes sense. Well, yeah, that's why there are concepts that comes up. Is uh, there's like a, a a cube that moves much faster. So if you're looking into that cube, it looks like someone's like teleporting and you know it's like i actually didn't like it when it first started because it looked the guy just vanished out of thin air at the door but then when you see it again from her perspective it's more like no it's, it's like there's like almost pauses in time where you can see him running across the room but mm -hmm. yeah i don't know it was it was uh that was a fun concept i i think see if this well, yeah because the physics are changing in a bunch of the different rooms which you know is given what the cube is it makes sense which I think I would have liked a lot more if it was a lot more consistent in that. Like the traps in the first movie, if like, okay, we open a door, oh shit, this is a room where the gravity's flipped the other way. And there's rooms like that in this. Um, or this is a room where time moves twice as fast or twice as slow. So when you're going through the door, the perspective of the two people looking at each other is going to be, you know, 
either sped up or slowed down <laughs> depending and like that sounds like fun but it's n- it's never something that they encounter reliably like they go through lots of rooms with nothing happening repeatedly and they also never really encounter the same thing twice i would say you know there, there's one that comes up twice and that is well other than like the the, the spiky things coming through the wall or the superman thing <laughs> well the um well the, that's a little the, bit different the, one though. of the walls like coming towards them like where the room's collapsing yeah that, yeah that that comes up twice in the beginning well, does it come up twice or does that just... Because if I remember correctly, it comes through and starts just going through the second room. So it's kind of the same yeah. thing. So they're just trying to outrun it. Yeah, so that's like... it's. Just, but, so there's never really a reason why that stops, though. It feels like there's a montage of them running from this like sort of like CG wall that's coming towards them. And then ev- eventually they just stop running and everything's fine. And they never really have a reason for why it stopped or anything. Um, which, which I guess is part of why these things all feel so inconsistent is because a lot of them just... Like, the one that you mentioned before you didn't like, which is, like, it's basically, like, a cube, like, a wire cube that starts, like, mutating and, like, has more lines and more cubes and it keeps becoming a more complex shape and it starts spinning around and it's basically, like, it's sharp, effectively, right? So Jerry gets slightly injured from it, he gets his arm kind of cut and then eventually gets killed by it. You know, it, it sort of chews him up and he gets all mushed in. But it's all CG and it's just kind of like a red cloud in the shape of like spinning lanes, effectively. But I mean, that's that's fine. I actually didn't mind when it started. Like, oh, it's going to continuously grow and expand into the room Mm. and they have to all escape from that. Like, I thought that was okay. But then like, I don't know. You can keep explaining the scene. Yeah, it keeps spinning. It keeps getting bigger. Jerry gets mushed up. And then... There's a sort of heroic moment where Kate's like, no, I have to go back for Sasha because she's in the corner scared. And, you know, she's the blind, innocent one. I have to go and save her. And so it sets up, okay, Simon wanted to leave her behind. He's an asshole. Kate's maybe the hero, although it turns out at the end she's got an ulterior motive. More on that later. She goes back to get her, and this thing's spinning and spinning. It's getting bigger, and they're, they're really up against the wall as, the, as the, cor- the sharp corners that are spinning around and almost hitting them are getting close. And then... Kate realizes that this thing seems to sort of slow down and stop when they're not moving. And it starts to eventually they just stay still and it eventually just sort of gets smaller and smaller until it's a square and then it disappears. And I got frustrated with this because I'm like, okay, you gave me a reason why this one stopped, but it also just kind of started randomly. I felt like this was a really bad like comparison to one of the best scenes in the first movie, which is here's a room where the trap's triggered by sound. So we're going to sneak through it and try and be quiet. And that was great. That was nail-biting mm-hmm. tension. And I felt like you kind of tacked on this rule that this was to do with movement right at the end of the scene to make it go away. But they were in this room talking for a while and moving around. A while. Yeah. yeah. So it It's just... almost like the cube, the cube is like, you guys have been here too long. Here's the thing. <laughs> almost, yeah. So it just kind of feels like things happen randomly rather than because there's any reason we can, like correlate or decide for ourselves you know i i like the design of this you know trap especially because there's so few of them in there but i i thought initially like it's like getting larger and larger until eventually it'll fill up the room with knives so (laughs) gotta get the hell out of there but then i they're like oh it's it's shrinking so that it can get to us because you know the thing expands like a circle but they're in a cube so if they just stay out of the way 
they won't get hit. But if it gets smaller again, then they can get hit because they can reach the corners if it's small enough. So it was almost like they were saying like, oh, it's going to try to, like it knows where it can't reach us. So it's going to try to get us by making itself smaller. And I was, I was confused by why that thing would have any sort of awareness. Yeah, is it sentient? That's a great question. And if it is, why? And is that more interesting? I don't think it is. <laughs> I, th- I think it just makes it feel more weird and random that if it's sentient. Mm-hmm. Because, like... Like, it would be one thing if, if all these weird anomalies that are happening, you know, the, the sort of CG watery wall that moves towards them, the Fortress of Solitude-style crystal spikes coming out of the wall... This, Fortress of Solitude, thank you. you. I was trying to think, remember the, it. This spinning mess of shapes that cuts them. Like, if all these things, like, at the end, made, like, all sort of fit together, and it's like, okay, as the hypercube is contracting, all these things are happening around the edges or something, that would be something. It'd be like, okay, then you can sort of visualize where they were at any one point, and maybe it means something, and there's some sort of logic to it. But it doesn't feel like that. It just kind of feels like they're all random. <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, it feels like the time discrepancies between other versions of people, because there's a point early on when they're it's running from the wall that's closing in, where you can clearly see another version of Kate watching from the, the door behind the wall. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so that's going to come back up later. Um, and I think that's the other problem, as much like a lot of time travel movies. Um, there's so many things in the first half of this movie where it's really, really obvious that we're going to see the other side of it later, and not in like a satisfying way. Well, I mean, yeah, it's only unsatisfying because they've already established that there's parallel universe. So are mm. we doing a time thing or are we doing parallel? Like, is that just another version of Kate? Not the same version of Kate, but in the future. Like, I think that's too messy to have both. That, no, you're right. Because in that case, it did turn out to be the same version of Kate. But there's a lot of other things that turn out to be alternate versions of people. Yes. So it's a bit of column A and column B, which I agree probably is a bit too messy. Like... You're mixing time crimes with coherence, and I don't <laughs> like. <laughs> it's like that's just those two movies are complex enough; they don't need to be intermingled. Yeah, it's too much, too yeah. much happening. And, and instead of being, because I would even say it's confusing, it just gets less interesting, you know. Because you can't. Yeah, I, I agree. Because it, it is very clearly there are multiple versions of them, but then also there's the same version of them that appearing into themselves so like it would have been more satisfying if it was all one or the other yeah and probably more satisfying if it was all just time travel oh no that's them at a, at a later time yeah. yeah or not time travel but you know what i mean like it's them later on so we're seeing glimpses of the future or glimpses of the past yes. or whatever yeah i agree I, I guess the way i'd put it is like it's confusing and it's not confusing it, it is well it is but it's it gets too complex and too messy that it just becomes dull and uninteresting because you can't really make sense of it unlike say something like primer where it gets confusing and you really have to think about it but when you're watching primer you kind of like you're like oh no this does all work if, if we if we sit down and think about it this actually there's a method to this madness and it all actually works i just don't buy for a second that any of this actually clicks together it's just all just kind of whenever the writers decide they want a yeah. type of moment to happen it happens and that's it it's just there's an out always yes oh well that was a parallel universe or that was a parallel version of them or something so that's why it that's why he saw his own death now i might have enjoyed this a lot in a schlocky way if it went really deep into some of its other ideas the idea that i'm getting at here 
is that Simon eventually is getting angrier and he's getting more threatening to the point where he kills the old woman. He gets hungry. And there's almost this running thing where he kills at least three different versions of Jerry and apparently eats them. Because he yeah. keeps getting more watch. He keeps stealing his watch. Four. Every- I, I, yeah. I think we see four on one wrist. And I want to say there's a fifth one on his <laughs> other wrist. Like he start- he ran out of room. So he has to use the other wrist. Yeah. And this was really comical to me. Spe- I think the reason why it was so comical is I'm like. It just happens to like. Uh, like a like a switch is just flipped and all of a sudden he's crazy <laughs> well that's one reason you're right it is just a flip a switch that's flipped but the other things that really stuck out to me is making this feel silly is that one after he's killed a human being and he's eaten them with no tools other than one single knife he has like a little bit of blood on his collar and that's it like he should be drenched in blood if he was like like cutting up a human being and eating them like no way yeah at least one of these cubes that he walks into should have a red floor. <laughs> yeah, like that. That yeah, that one cube should just be covered in red. He should be covered in It'd blood. Be great. You, someone like opens up a door. It's like, why is this room pink? It's got pink lighting. <laughs> even after you walk he, in and you're surrounded by blood. Even after he kills the next Jerry, which is mostly just behind the door, and you just hear the noises of it. Like after that, he still has like he's got a little bit more blood in his hand, and I'm like, how is he doing this with like? so little blood like i don't believe this for a second <laughs> yeah so like clearly he's meant to be the uh the police officer in the first movie yeah. like we gotta have a threat inside of the cube that's a human except he's so, super threatening from the very first scene that he's in <laughs> he is because he's always really eager to whip his knife out but the um the thing with the police officer is that because you establish he's someone that on the outside, you would probably trust that you don't expect him to be the bad guy in this version, but inside the cube. So in that movie, it was a uh, like it wasn't that it wasn't predictable, but it was saying something about society, about the people we place our trust into, you know. And in this version, in this movie. It's like, oh, the dangerous guy is the dangerous guy you expected from the beginning to be dangerous. And he just is insane now. And I think even more than that, like the guy in the first movie, the whole point was, is it was revealing like who he was deep down always, you know, it was kind of this idea that he has this like power struggle problem where he has to be in charge and like everything comes from like that was a good part of the movie also, whereas this one is just like, what if I'm a cannibal? So were you always a cannibal? <laughs> and the cube is like, made you be a cannibal? <laughs> like, I wouldn't mind the idea that they've been in the cube for so long because it looks like he's like got gray hairs and stuff the last time you see him because after she stabs him in the eye to defend herself, he shows up almost immediately with gray hair and these eye sockets like all shut up. And it's like, yeah. okay, so you've been in here for a long ass time. And I'm not against, like, oh, so, so, like this drove someone absolutely crazy. But the problem is, is like you say, he flipped to being crazy in what seemed like a few hours like of being in here. Because most of this movie doesn't feel like it takes place over that long of a period of time. No. It, it feels like it's going very quick um, until, you know, he acts like that and then all of a sudden, oh, he's old now and he's been in here surviving off Jerry's <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> it's such a... That's such a Rick and Morty line. <laughs> just like Jerry's pop out from, like if he was just in the one cube where he had a long lifespan, 
And just like every other day, a Jerry popped out and he's like, here comes dinner. And then just a (laughs) pile of dead Jerry bones. That would be so fine. (laughs) Well, that's kind of what they imply in a weird way. Um, to to the point where like that that second time he kills a Jerry that I mentioned that happens mostly behind the door. You just he, he comes in and he's like, "Hey, buddy, who are you? I I don't know where I am. Do you know yeah, where we are?" <laughs> and he just immediately pulls out his knife and that's it. Like, okay, sorry, Jerry, you're dead. Um, <laughs> and for someone who's gotten really good at at killing Jerry's, like he's not good at killing Kate. Like she's like way stronger than him, I guess. Well, it turns out she's, like, a special ops person sent in. But, okay, before we get to that, we have to talk... What was the name? Something Trusk. There was, like, a name that kept coming up. So, early on, when they're talking about this company that might have built this cube, and they're talking about this tech... Alex Trusk, was it that? Um, Yeah. And they're talking about this, this company that may have built the cube, and that there's this super hacker that some people think is a myth this this guy's a myth he's just a super special guy who once took took down a plane but held hostage virtually in nevada and i thought this is neil breen you're talking about we're talking about neil breen right now he's the best at everything apparently uh but they're talking <laughs> about the greatest twist ever <laughs> but they're talking about this right and max is convinced that this guy built this cube and all I could think was, and I like I watched this movie a long time ago, so I didn't really remember any of the reveals, but I was just sitting going, someone's going to turn out to be this Alex. Oh yeah, Dishbag. as soon as they right. mentioned, oh, yeah. they, they're a myth. I'm like, okay, so it's a Jerry because he's super nice. <laughs> um, it's not the kid, I don't think, uh, but it could be the blind girl because that would be the dumbest answer. Because if it's the blind girl who ends up being the super hacker, then... Like, no one would expect that. How could she hack if she has no eyes? She has eyes, but they don't work. Yes, that's how being blind... I mean, I suppose you're still technically blind if you have no eyes, but... (laughs) Usually a blind person still has eyes in there. Anywho, uh, yeah, it turns out to be the blind girl, right? She's been the innocent one who's been in danger that everyone else needs to protect. Um... And it turns out she's, you know, Sasha's short for Alexander, which I've never heard of that being short for Alexander in my life. But Maybe okay. Alexandra? Yeah, I don't know. But very weird. But she, she turns out to be this, this super... And what gets me is that it turned out she wasn't kidnapped, is that the company... Like, she didn't work for the company. The company didn't like her as a rival. She was going to expose or whatever, mm-hmm. right? And the company and all of the hitman... going to expose all the government and, and corporate secrets, yes, just like yes. the end of Fateful Findings. She is Neil Breen. She, she's going to do all this. <laughs> so she chose to come into the one place that they would never dare follow her, into the cube. So that implication is that she snuck in here rather than was put in here with everyone else. I, I'm assuming she immediately regretted it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, well i don't like on paper if you if that's just your starting idea for a movie is that someone willingly went into the cube to escape the people who built the cube that actually sounds like a fun twist at some point but all of this like oh she's a super hacker <laughs> like and you know like all of the other elements of it make it feel lame and then on top of that apparently kate the main character she's actually in here and she knows what this place is the whole time apparently because she was after the thing that and they did not focus on this enough at all to make me feel like this mattered 
But it turns out that Sasha, the Blaine girl, who turned out to be the super hacker, had, and the super mathematician, she's both, uh, she had, like, a necklace with, like, a data chip or something, or some magical, like, because she it's says that she inadvertently... She gave them the key to build the place, right? That's what she says. She says that she didn't build it, but she either inadvertently or whatever gave them the key ingredient to make this place work. And this little metal thing at the end when we see it in the case, it floats on its own, so it's like unobtainium or something. Like she's got some magic metal that is the the flux capacitor that makes this DeLorean go, right? <laughs> that's That's what this thing is. Yeah. And it turns out that Kate was busy, was in here to retrieve that. That was her mission. She's been lying the whole time, um, which maybe explains some of like her bad reactions to things, but I don't know if that is a genuine like cover for that or if it's just, no, nah, it just kind of works <laughs> along with that. There was still a cannibal trying to eat her. <laughs> there <laughs> the was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, this part is uh, pretty unsatisfying because like you said... The stuff happening outside of the cube, like the big conspiracy theory, I was less interested this time than the first movie. So, like, even, like, at the end, when she pulls out the thing, I'm just like, I don't know what this thing is. Like, it wasn't until you explained it that I understood what that ending was. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I got that part. I, I think, for me, the big problem is that they make it less interesting, even just in the dialogue, but the ending especially... Where it's just like shady government people, like, did you get the thing? And she's like, yeah, and they give it to her. And then, like, she's just immediately shot in the head. And she knows it's coming. Like, she, she clearly knows she's about to be shot because she's like, she knows too much. And I just, it felt really lame to me. Like, I've, I always hated this ending to Cube 2 because it just kind of felt like, well, you trusted her enough to go. Maybe the fact that she would in and survive the freaking Cube is a good reason to keep her around as, like, one of your best agents. <laughs> no? Is that not, like, logic yeah so so this cube although it's been designed it's like a quantum cube so like it works outside <laughs> like they do the, the test yeah so <laughs> it, they they do the tesseract build which should be in an impossible build and and because they're inside of this impossible build this impossible shape i think it is anyway then um because so, they said it's a four a four dimensional shape which should really exist yeah so because of that the physics around it is like breaking down and the cube is getting smaller and smaller and smaller until it like yeah. implodes in on itself which was always going to happen as well that's the other thing they say is that this was always like counting down like there's a there's this number written down everywhere from like some physicist who was in here and it was basically if someone worked out what time this is going to happen and sure enough right. it does on the watch and you know at the end she just jumps into the door that goes to nowhere and that like gets her outside this cube that's imploding which what's interesting is when you see this sort of like cg pool of liquid that was once the cube whatever material the cube is made out of is just this like pool that they're walking through at the end um this like sh it's like a shallow pool that's only like an inch thick but it's got like little waves in it right and it looks kind of looks like mercury or something yeah yeah, yeah that's a good way to put it. it looks like mercury uh, but it's called a CG, so it's got like a kind of feel to it, which which is fine. Mm -hmm. Like I think it works in the context. But um, I realized that you know, it's in this warehouse, and I was like, 
you know, this cube was actually a lot smaller than the f- one in the first movie had to be because it didn't occupy space in the same way. Like, space inside the cube was kind of relative. So, yeah, it was well, like... Yeah, well, when you think it's, it's quantum, then you kind of assume it's, like, microscopic. It, it feels like it was maybe the size of a football field, and that was about it. But it felt it was bigger inside it because it it folded in on itself and shit and all that. Whereas in the first movie, it's a physical thing where it's all these cubes, you know. Yeah, so, it's, a, it's an it's an alien thing. Yeah, in the first one. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the other thing. I, I think this ending just makes it feel like a shady government or shady like corporation, and it just takes away some of the fun ambiguity of the of the other yeah. film uh, so I, I don't like this one I, to me this is like a tacked on sequel where i'm like nah i'm not counting this as canon it it just makes everything less interesting <laughs> by existing <laughs> i mean it definitely has a lot of flaws and i i i don't really like it i also don't i i, I see the point in the the good things in the first cube but i didn't enjoy my experience watching it as much as you did but it does like on paper it's a good movie you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh what what uh, what <laughs> What a way you can see the point, Tara. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> On paper, it's a good movie. Execution, it's a medium well, movie. That, that was one of the things I was saying earlier. But now that we're in spoilers, I can say this a bit more uh, clearly, uh, which includes spoilers for the first one, just in case for some reason you're here, you've not seen the first movie. Um, but like I was saying at the, the, the end of the first movie, it proved that everything that they figured out was accurate. Like, there was an mm-hmm. exit, and they got in. Yeah, sure, everyone but one character was dead, but that was more because of, the, of their own stories and how they all wrapped up and like their own doing because of the, them breaking down. But the exit was there; it was solvable. They figured it out. It made enough sense in the context of the movie, and someone got out. And mm-hmm. I think this ending upsets me because I'm like, "What did that character just get shot as soon as they walked out at the end?" That just kind of like puts a damper on that. Like, it doesn't make it more yeah. interesting to me. It it also makes me wonder if the Esri from the first movie gets shot when she exits the cube. Because <laughs> we don't see her life after cube. Who from the first movie? The one that gets out. She's Esri Dax in Deep Space Nine. You misremember the first movie, Tara. I guess I do. She's... Who gets out? There was the guy, with the, the, the guy who can do all the quantum math in his head. He was the one that got out. She, she died. Oh, I thought she was a mathematician. Well, she was the mathematician, but he does like the astronomical numbers that no human being could do. He's got oh, okay. the he's got the special kind of you know that trope of like oh the the, the artistic person can do something super mm. duper that no one else can. You're right. Okay, it's coming back to me now. But she's yeah. like the second to last. To... Yeah, she she basically right. dies right at the end, uh, helping him get out. Yeah, she she's right at yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was thinking she made it out, but now it's coming back to me. That that, this is just wishful thinking because she's in Star Trek and you're hoping. It's kind of funny though how she she's in Star Trek <laughs> and the other guy's from Stargate. It's interesting there's a Star Trek and a Stargate actor in that movie. Whoa, crossover! I know, nuts. Um, but yeah, so I, I like the ending. One of the things we have not mentioned yet is how uh, Max and the the lady in the red dress uh, how their story wraps up. They basically have like a weird they were the most pointless characters in this movie <laughs> well other than the other woman that in the beginning well uh, no no because uh, i mean i'm not saying this is good writing but he did technically offer a lot of exposition uh that led to us understanding who the blind girl was at the end like you did kind of need him for that but 
their ending is basically they start having sex but it's in like a weird time room so they basically just have sex until they die of old age <laughs> i think yeah they're in the um they're in the fast time room where everything's really fast right because he's looking on the outside in when she walks into it and she's like like super sped up yeah i think the imp- so i'm assuming when he goes in that's where the room they have sex in yeah I, I think the implication is is that what they don't realize is not just that it runs at a different time it's that if they stay in here they're is it kind of like interstellar when they're on the other planet and like time's moving differently elsewhere basically mm-hmm. they're losing years while they're in there <laughs> what a way to go though <laughs> oh yeah like they seem very like in the moment and just like oh, that's just that's just die orgasming for decades that's what their their corpses look like anyway both making a no face they they looked happy enough (laughs) um yeah like i feel like it was trying to make some sort of like point with like her saying like oh you're not usually my type or whatever and he's like then you neither and then it's like oh they're just in this situation so they're going to do this now but i didn't really feel like i got much out of it from like a thematic sense that tied into anything else nope yeah I think someone just looked at the first movie and said there wasn't enough sex appeal, so we're going to have something sexier in this one. Uh, which, notably, because <laughs> they all had uniforms in the first one, they all had those like prison-looking jumpsuits, whereas here they all just show up in whatever yeah. they're wearing. I was curious about that too, because, um, like you said, the our bad guy has a knife on him. Like, why would they leave him with a knife? Unless they want him to go crazy and maybe kill. The person that they put in there in order to like infiltrate and oh, spy also why would they even put others like if if the person thereafter has snuck into the cube why would they put in a full set of characters why not just put in the one who's going after the other character unless like she needs like help from the others to like, maybe survive but it's not like they know that much really or maybe they were already in there like surely she knew like a reasonable amount of everything she learned before she went in unless they legitimately just sent her in blind but if so why like surely she'll do her Maybe job the better makes you forget it didn't seem like it they all seem to know who they were yeah she had a fake backstory yeah she, she knew to lie about it and then she's like she knew why she was there and she's so dedicated to whatever this is she let herself be killed at the end which i mean i don't even i get that's just not interesting to me like i'm just that's not exciting because like and what really bummed me about the ending as well is that after they shoot her this phone rings right on a desk in the background and the guy who was like talking to her goes over and answer he's like yes sir yes phase two is when whatever and i was like okay and so what's the extra little like exciting bit you're going to reveal in this phone call and there's nothing else that, that's that's pretty much the last thing you hear him say and i'm like why did you even have this moment with him answering the phone just to imply there's someone he answers to like i mean i could have just guessed that yeah i i guess i was expecting him to be like let her live or something and he already shot her so like oh this is going to be like a dark mist kind of ending or something like what what they could have done i suppose is have another kate walk out and we find out the one that gets sent in was like an alternate timeline kate that there was disposable or something like that could have been some sort of reveal like the real kate she kills herself yeah 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 uh, that meme, like, that meme. With, room for only one Kate here. No, that meme with the astronauts. You know, uh, you not seen that meme with the astronauts pointing the gun at the back of the other astronaut? No. No. Yeah, it always has been. <laughs> meme. No. Okay. Some people will get that reference in the comments. <laughs> I'm too old for memes. You should know that. 
Okay, the Spider-Man meme then, and them all pointing at each other. You, you know that one? Yes, I know that one. There you go. See? Only because it was in the Spider-Verse movie. <laughs> was it? Did they put that in there? It's like the, um, the after credit scene. And the new one? No, I haven't seen the new one yet. Oh, okay. I just don't remember it then. Fair enough. <laughs> it's been, I only saw, saw Spider-Verse the once. It was very, very good. But I only saw the ones. Uh, it was very good. So, yeah, yeah. Honestly, this movie is kind of a mixed bag, and it's a sort of thing where, well, there might have been little moments of dialogue or acting that didn't quite add up in the first one. It was always saved by an actual good idea and good script and good tension and like a good setup. And uh, you know, I think it all clicked together quite well in the first movie, where it punches above its weight almost all the time. Whereas this one, I felt them trying to do all these ideas that were technically bigger than the first movie, but almost all of it just destabilized, like the raw what made the first one work. So yeah, I, I find this one a big step down from the first one. I, you know, the first one I gave like a happy eight, maybe even an eight point five. I don't remember the exact score, but and this one you're giving a. We'll find out after you give your score. Um, I'm going to go with a five. I, I think there's still some entertainment value in it. And the sci-fi stuff is kind of, um, kind of forgivable for like the stuff that I thought was kind of magic. And then, you know, well, it's a quantum thing and the cubes collapsing and the physics are different and blah, blah, blah. Like I, th- I thought that stuff was like, okay, sci-fi. It, it's, gives it a pass this is the example um, this is the example i always use for this but th- th- this is like going from the mechanical iron man armor armor to oh it's just nanobots now where it just magically appears it's yeah. much less interesting agreed and it's visually uninteresting yep. as well um so i uh, but it's there's still some entertainment value they they tried to do a thing but it is a very unsatisfying watch but not not the worst so yeah I'll give it a yeah. five. Um, yeah, if I, if I look at my old ratings for things, I think that's what I gave it in the past. And I think I'm still kind of... I think part of me thought I might like it even less now. Because, you know, when I when I go back and revisit a movie that's not good, I tend to be even harsher on it as time goes on. Because I'm like, you know, the more bad movies you see... you vindicated for hating it. The, the more <laughs> bad movies you see, the more, you more... But I still think this is actually... St- for whatever it's worth, it's held up as a five. <laughs> like, whatever that means. <laughs> like, yeah. there's still, like, things in there that are interesting ideas. There's still some moments that are okay in their own. But mm. I think the characters are better in the first movie. I think the social commentary is there in the first movie where I just don't think it's here it's at not, all. It's not existing yeah. here, yeah. I think the mystery is far more compelling and mysterious, I guess, in the first movie. I think the tone's better and I think the traps are more satisfying and it's more tense. That's a lot of things that are better <laughs> than the first movie. <laughs> so, Agreed. Uh, for me, this is a lot more sterile and uh, loses a lot of the soul. So, uh, But that said, it's not an uninteresting watch either. So I will say it's still a 5 out of 10. I'd still give it that, that midway mark. So Okay, we're in agreement. Yeah, And I have been keeping track of her scores on a spreadsheet now. I've got, I've got us going all the way back to the start of 2022. So Whoa. I'll fill them in. Well, I will keep track. It'll be great. Uh, so, there you go. Did we, uh, on a side note, today's Independence Day in the US. Uh-huh. Did we do the sequel to Independence Day? We never I forgot about we it. We haven't done the second one. We, we, uh, that we, would have been the best, like, number two to do. <laughs> it probably would have been, but I don't think either of us were ever enthusiastic about doing it. I'm sure we will eventually. 
There's always July 4th <laughs> next year, okay? That's true, that's true. And that's why we're recording in the daytime, which is unusual for us, because fireworks. in the evening there's going to be uh, way too many fireworks. <laughs> which actually, um, it would be too late to do it now anyway, because it wouldn't go out for at least a few days. <laughs> so, yeah, we'd have to have done it last week, and we had more important fish to fry. So, yeah, Hurry Up Little Kid is up next, uh, so look forward to that. Uh, and we will return to the Cube franchise sometime, probably later in the year for, for Cube Zero. Uh, we do have a couple they're of- They're not bonus? No, no, I would- I don't know, I think they're all worth doing as regular episodes. Okay. Because uh, even though this wasn't a great movie, I think it was interesting enough. Yeah. Yeah? Okay. <laughs> um, so- I'm just worried that, you know, the quality- we have a line well, I, now. Well, I don't. If that line continues, I genuinely don't remember how I felt about Cube Zero when I saw it, so I don't know where it's going to land. And we have a Japanese one, so the, the gore's got to go up. Yeah, I don't. The, the Japanese remake of the first one is a wild card. I have no. I don't even know what the reception of it is. I haven't seen anyone say anything about it. It might be a no, nothing. Nobody tell it. Yeah, it might be a nothing movie. It might be a wild, like you know, almost Takashi Miike style. Gorefest. I have no idea. Let's, let's go Battle Royale cube style. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's 99 cubes, and at each cube there's one person, <laughs> and they all have to or, kill each other. There's a ghost. How <laughs> do I ghost? No, 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 no. Less, less of that. Well, no, they that. do horror so well. It's like, it's the grudge meets cube. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Hi, Apple Little Kids next week. Uh, we got a few more other second movies after that. Um, and we do have a couple of themed seasons. We've got a couple of five-week blocks coming up. Uh, so we, we were pretty decked out until, like, end of September as far as plans go. Um, so uh, plenty to look forward to. Uh, so, yep. yeah. Uh, which, actually, the theme, I can tell you what it is. It's uh, post-apocalyptic movies because uh, it was a vote, and the vote's over on Patreon. So the patrons voted for that. I can't believe you guys didn't go with Cyberpunk. It was, it was either Robot slash AI, Cyberpunk slash Dystopia... Or post-apocalyptic, and they chose post. Everything got votes though. Nothing got completely shut out. It was just post-apocalyptic had the most. Okay. Going back to the seventies. <laughs> Not necessarily. There was a lot in the seventies. I mean, we'll probably. I mean, we'll probably do Mad Max, and that was the seventies. But you know. It's... Yeah. And there's a new Mad Max out next year, so perfect time to get that started. Bibiosa. So this is the show. Thank you very much for joining us. You can, of course, get bonus content. In fact, our most recent bonus episode just went out on Patreon. All patrons get access to the bonus, the regular bonus episodes at $3 and up, which is this month we did Theodore Rex. Moment of... How do you know a shitty movie? <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, I'll tell you. <laughs> I don't Anyway, so nice. we did that. Um, that was our 50th bonus episode, so there's a whole back catalogue you'll get for $3 per month, uh, with a new one coming roughly each month. And the $5 and up tier, you get access to the Ace Meltdown, which is our monthly show where we just talk about all the different random movies we've been watching for fun. Uh, so not sci-fi movies, but we'll do a sci-fi quiz to kick things off, and then we talk about whatever movies we've been watching. Uh, it's just kind of a fun catch-up movie show, and we've even been talking about video games a little bit the last few episodes, so that'll probably be a recurring thing as well, um, if that sounds like fun. I haven't played any video games, but sure. 
Did you just barf into the mic? No, my I it the Diet Coke's like bubbling in my oh. <laughs> esophagus. Or oh, oh, that was that was. I so got nice. a grump. Oh, it's still going. Oh, I think I'm hungry. Well, it doesn't. It, either way, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, it, like when I when I say that, it's just so they expect that they'll occasionally might get that. It's okay. It doesn't matter that you won't have any talk about this month. Yeah. Yeah. Although I've played a lot of Final Fantasy 16, so I, I I have I have talking points. Uh, but yeah, that that has been Cube Two Hypercube. Uh, let us know what you think of the movie. The comments. Um, Cube harder. Uh huh. There's a lot of better tube movie titles. They could have called it Cuboid, maybe. Cuboid. So it's the second one. I'm just thinking because, but I mean, it's a different shape, obviously. The Tesseract. Yeah, uh, not enough people know what a Tesseract is now, and I feel like now, if you said that, most people think uh the Cosmic Cube from Marvel. Yeah. Which is just a cube. Yeah, with magic in it. <laughs> blue, blue, blue stuff, blue lights. It's one of the Infinity Stones or some bollocks. Anyway, <gasps> don't spoil it. That- <laughs> that has been the atomic serum experiment thank you very much i do i am aware that the last 10 minutes have mostly been fluff about us talking about future episodes uh but hopefully you enjoyed cube 2 discussion uh come back for more antics in the next week and i will see you soon as well tara i I may say we i said i instead i apologize uh thank you very much we'll see you next time keep watching science fiction and computer ad salsa